Fantastic. Wow, what a wonderful name it is. You can be seated. Well, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the wise men. We've talked about the shepherds. Guess who we're talking about today? How did you know? You guys are so smart. I tell you what, I actually stole this little figure from my neighbor's yard. I figured I could put it back before he noticed. Do you think so? I started thinking about it. You know, you can have a nativity without a donkey and maybe without a wise man or a shepherd, but Mary is kind of a main feature, amen? I mean, it's kind of hard to have the nativity without Mary, but maybe the neighborhood will be okay. I want us to see Mary from a new light today. Sometimes we see Mary as a little ceramic figure or a little plastic icon. Her emblem is on the picture of a Christmas card, but we don't really take a moment to think about the life of Mary and what it was like to really bear the Son of God. It's an amazing story of overcoming fear. And I want you to take out your notes today and follow along with me as we look at this amazing character. And I'm going to put Mary right here so she doesn't run off. But let's look together at this great character. At this time of year, there are so many, many phobias. There's many phobias. There's the, the fear of the holidays, heortophobia. Maybe you've heard of that before, the fear of holidays. It usually starts early in childhood and occurs from bad events. There is Santaphobia, people that are afraid of Santa Claus. I don't know if you've ever been afraid of Santa Claus. You might have Santaphobia. Um, other people may have uh, Doranophobia, the fear of opening gifts. Uh, or Chionophobia, the fear of snow. Or Pyrophobia, the fear of a fire in a fireplace. Or the fear of parties, Symbosophobia. <laughs> <laughs> or here's my favorite one, the fear of mother-in-laws, <laughs> pentherophobia, okay? You might have that. But all of these may lead to the fear of Christmas, which is Christu, Christugenitocophobia, okay? And my dyslexia is totally kicking in there on that. I hope I got that right. The fear of Christmas, Many times we think about the first Christmas and we think about the angels rejoicing and we think about the star in the sky and we think about the shepherds and the wise men and, and, and we think about the great celebration and the fulfillment of prophecy and now Jesus has been born and it's all good. There was a lot of fear that was going on around the first Christmas. A lot of phobia, a lot of fear, a lot of Christogenitocophobia, if you will, <laughs> It begins with Mary, it begins with Mary, and Mary is under a lot of pressure. Um, she is an unwed teenage mother, and uh, in biblical times, this was, not, this was not an easy task. Today, that's not as uncommon. In the ancient world, especially in the Jewish tradition, very, very, very difficult and I want us to see three fears that we all face, that Mary faced, that we face today. And the first is simply this, the fear of what people 
will think of me. Mary had to worry. She, she was worried about, well, I'm this unwed teenage mother. I mean, um, in the ancient world, uh, young girls would, around the time of 13, they would be betrothed, which is kind of like engagement. And then by the time they were 14, they were generally married. So they would move from their father's house to the house of their husband. And the betrothal period would last about a year. And they were very, very, very young. Can you imagine being in middle school and being married? Can you imagine being married to somebody in middle school? I mean, come on. That's the ancient world. But to make matters more complex, now Mary is this young, young girl. And the angel of the Lord told her she was highly favored. But I wonder if she felt highly favored when she was the unwed teenage mom. The fear of what people will think. I, I think it's one of the most crippling things to the life of faith is if I follow God and if I do what the Lord has purposed for me to do, what is everybody else going to say? And to really follow Christ is to disappoint and upset some people. Amen? You can't follow the Lord and his purposes and his plans for your life if you're not willing at times to go against the current and swim upstream a little bit. Mary experienced this. She, she knew in the back of her mind that the Levitical code called for young girls who were pregnant outside of marriage to be stoned. And we see that in Deuteronomy 22, 20 to 21. But if this accusation is true and the evidence of the young woman's virginity is found, they will bring the woman to the door of her father's house and the men of her city will stone her to death. That's in the back of Mary's mind as she's getting the announcement from the angel Gabriel. Wow. And then she had to talk to her family. I mean, can you imagine the conversation with her mom and dad? <laughs> hey, mom, this sounds a little far-fetched, but the angel Gabriel told me I'm going to conceive by the Holy Spirit. I mean, whoa. The only recording that we have of her talking to her family is to her, her, her relative Elizabeth. Elizabeth is believed to be her cousin. The Bible just says a relative. And she goes and spends some time with Elizabeth. Elizabeth's the mother of John the Baptist. And she's an older woman who hasn't been able to conceive. And the angel Gabriel tells Zechariah, the husband of Elizabeth, you're going to have a baby. And so she's an older lady. So she's much older than, than Mary, but they're pregnant at the same time. And she goes and she talks to Elizabeth. But you know what? The angel Gabriel had already been talking, had already been speaking to, to Elizabeth and her husband. And when Mary announced that she was pregnant, it was no big deal because the angel had already told them. And then when she had to have the conversation with Joseph, that had to be the hardest conversation. Hey, baby, I, I really love you, but I got a surprise. The angel Gabriel had already spoken to Joseph. So, Mary had this fear, what am I going to say? What am I going to tell people? 
But the beautiful thing is that God had already paved the way. Amen? I mean, God had already sent a messenger to the family and to the fiancé to tell them about the birth of Jesus. So I got some good news for you. When you're stepping out on a limb and you're going to do something as you follow the Lord that, that, that might push the envelope a little bit, know that God is going to make a way. God's going to provide a path. God's going to open up an opportunity and a direction for you, just, just like he did with, with, with Mary. There's a second thing, and that's the fear of provision, the fear of having enough. Look at verse uh, chapter 2, verse 7 of Luke's gospel. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So they have to go to Jerusalem for the census. Uh, normally, pregnant women didn't want to travel, especially that late in the pregnancy. So they're from Nazareth. They have the baby in Bethlehem. On the way to Jerusalem, they get an interruption. The baby comes. And they can't find a place to deliver the baby because there's no room in the inn. And so they deliver the baby Jesus in a manger. And we have a lot of glorified type mangers, but let's don't get this confused. There was dung on the floor. There were nasty, stinky animals around. This was not the kind of place that you want to give birth to a child. Amen? I mean, this is, this is, this is a disgusting place. And I wonder if Mary and Joseph were wondering, um, Lord, is, are we going to have enough? I mean, we're away from family and friends. How many of you know when you have a baby, you rely on family and friends? Because now they're in another town, so they have no support system, and they're in a dirty, filthy manger, and it's cold, and it's nasty, and it's gross, and now they got the baby Jesus. Come on now. God, am I going to have enough? Do you ever struggle with the fear of, am I going to have what I need? Do you ever struggle with the fear of, will this be enough? Will this be enough? Maybe it's the fear of starting over or fear surrounding the loss of a job or um, an unexpected expense or, or some type of other situation. You know, I'm thinking today about Joseph as well because Joseph is kind of the unspoken character at the nativity. He's the only person that doesn't say something at the, the birth of Jesus. Everybody else is talking. Joseph is the, the quiet, behind-the-scenes guy. But men receive so much of their self-worth and of their, um, of their self-esteem from taking care of and providing for their family. You want to see a man that's frustrated, show me a man that can't take care of his children and his wife. And now Joseph's in a position where his wife's trying to have the baby and he's trying to take care of her, but he can't even find a place for her to do that. And it's pressure, and it's fear, and it's phobia, and it's the fear of Christmas. We're talking about Christmas from a different angle today. <laughs> the fear of will I have enough, which leads us to the third thing, fear of where is all this going? <laughs> where is all this going? Maybe that's a question you've asked yourself. In Matthew 2.13 
The angel wakes them up in the middle of the night and says, you got to run to Egypt because they're trying to kill you guys. Now, was it not bad enough that they had the baby away from home in a manger and they're young teenagers and they don't have financial resources and they don't have other people around them loving them and supporting them? Remember, the Magi didn't get there to a year or two later. Um, okay, God, I delivered the baby Jesus and now I have to run to another country where they speak a different language and I have to go in the middle of the night and I'm a fugitive running for my life. God, is this really the plan? Have you ever been on the plan of God and ever questioned if it was the right path? Like, Lord, did I hear your voice? Did I, did I get this right? Is this the way that it was supposed to work out? Sometimes we say, well, you know, if... If I'm following the Lord, then the path should be easier than this. But you know, sometimes following the Lord is, is a hard path. It's a challenging path. But you know what's so amazing about this story is that God continues to provide for this family. And as awkward as it was to get up in the middle of the night and to run to Egypt, guess what? God provided it was a lot better than staying in Bethlehem, amen? That's where crazy Herod was. So there's the fear of where is all this going? Well, what does God say to us? What is the remedy for fear? In this encounter that Gabriel has with the Virgin Mary, he announces to her four things to help her overcome her fear. And I hope you'll write these down today because I believe these will help you. He says, first of all, you are highly favored. In Luke 1.28, look at it. He says, and the angel came and said to her, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Again, she may not have felt favored. You may not feel favored. But do you know what? If you're in Christ, you're favored too because the word favored means graced. It comes from the word grace. And if you have the grace of God and the person of Jesus in your life, guess what? You're highly favored too. You don't have to be pregnant with the Son of God to be favored. You are highly favored. And I love 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, I tell you this now. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So salvation and favor really go together. If you have salvation in Christ, you have the favor of God. You have the hand of God. You have the blessing of God. And this counters the shame. Perhaps the angel announced to Mary, you are highly favored. So she would not fall into the false belief of shame and frustration that she so easily could have succumbed to. And so she's highly favored. You, you, you're, you're highly favored. Uh, how can I be favored when, I'm, when, I, when I feel oppressed or when I feel down? Well, favor doesn't mean everything's easy. Favor doesn't mean that everything goes smoothly and according to all of our plans. But it just means that God's hand is on our lives. And perhaps the greatest way that God reveals his hand and his purposes in our own existence is when we go through hard times. So this is seen here in the birth of Jesus. How do you see yourself today? I mean, do you perceive yourself as highly favored? When you wake up in the morning, do you tell yourself, I'm so oppressed, I'm so discouraged, life is so hard? Or do you wake up in the morning and say, I am highly favored of God? What is your expectation? What is your anticipation for the things that God is going to do in your life? 
And God's favor can be uh, manifested so many different ways. I, I don't think that there's just one formula for the favor of God. Sometimes the favor of God can come on our life and our family. In fact, Proverbs 18.22 says that if a man finds a good wife, he's found the favor of God. And some of us have that experience. Maybe that's, maybe that's your story. Others of us have the favor of God in our finances. Or maybe you have the favor of God in, your, in wisdom. Or God can express his favor in our life in so many different ways. But listen, if you're in Christ, you are highly favored. And no two people are exactly favored the exact same way, but it's an awesome thing. Should we seek the favor of God? Absolutely. Should I pray for God's blessings on my life? Of course you should. Sometimes Christians are like, I feel bad asking God to bless me. Are you crazy? You know, you're highly favored of God. You should ask for the blessings of God. You should... You should seek after those things. And listen, the more that you follow God's plan for your life, the more his favor will be on your life because God can do more in and through you. You become a conduit through which God can work. So we're highly favored. But he also says right after that, you're highly favored, but you're not alone. Isn't that beautiful? You're not alone. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. You're not alone. When you're going through fears and phobias and anxiety, remember this, you can be lonely and not be alone. God is always with you. And he reminds Mary, my presence is with you. People disappoint, but God is always there. God is always with us. People run off. People say things that hurt us. People disappoint. That's true. Remember this. God is not like people. Sometimes we think, well, people hurt me. People disappoint me. Maybe God. No, 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 no. God is always there. He's always with us. And so he says, Mary, you're highly favored. And I'm with you. <laughs> is there anything more awesome than just knowing you're not alone? I mean, I feel so much comfort when, when I'm going through some hard times and I know that I can pick up the phone and I can call somebody and they don't have to have all the answers to my problems, but just knowing that somebody's pulling for me and just that somebody's in my corner is awesome because when you get isolated and you get by yourself, that's when you get even more depressed and down. It's an awesome thing just to know God is with you. I want to announce today... To you, as we talk about the story of Christmas, God is with you. In fact, one of the names of Jesus is what? Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God is with you. And in the ancient world, names were given to reveal characteristics and attributes of the person. So the reason that Jesus is called Emmanuel is because he is always with us. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. God is there with you. And the angel said to her, greetings, favored woman, the Lord, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The Lord's with you. So uh, we're highly favored. We're not alone. And then the angel says, God has a plan. I, I have a plan. Now look at this with me right here. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. Okay, so that, that was 
That was what she was told to name the baby. You'll name him Jesus, verse 32. He, he will be great and he'll be called the son of the most high God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. And Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have had no sexual relations with a man? That's a great question, is it not? Mary doesn't ask a lot of questions. She's like, let me just make sure I got this straight, Lord. And he answers, okay? Now, here's one of the vaguest, most obscure answers in the Bible right here. But the angel says it right here in 35. Look at this. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm still trying to figure out the Holy Spirit will come over you. And how did he word that there? Come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I don't know how that leads to conception. Anybody got that figured out? But that's what the angel said. And I think many times God's plans are kind of like that. God says, this is what's going to happen. Here's the plan. And we're thinking, okay, God, I need to know the specific details. How in the world does that happen? In fact, your answer makes me have 17 more questions, okay? <clears throat> but sometimes God wants us just to relax and to trust him and to operate on the word that he has given to us. And Mary says, okay. It wasn't because it all made sense to her. But it was because she was willing to follow. We say this, God, I will follow you if I fully comprehend and understand all the nuances of everything you want me to do. And God says, I'm going to give you a general direction with a lot of ambiguity, and you got to trust me. <laughs> and that's the problem. <laughs> I'm sure Mary had many more questions, but she took the plan that had been given to her, and she began to operate on the things that God had said. Now remember, the full revelation of God had not been given to Mary and Joseph. The New Testament wasn't written. So the angel announces we have the full counsel of the word of God. We have so many promises. We have so many truths. We have so much wisdom. We have so much more information about the will and purposes of God than they did. But sometimes we get hung up on all the details. Listen, are you holding back on the purposes and plans of God for your life because you don't feel like you have sufficient data? <laughs> if so... Move on the things that God has said instead of worrying about everything that he hasn't said. I mean, we have a whole book of things that God has called us to do. We ought to spend more time worried about doing what we already know to do rather than worrying about the things that we're not sure if we should do. Amen? So Mary begins to move. She begins to operate. Okay, well, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. But... But the angel said to call him Jesus, and he's going to be the son of the most high God, so i got to get him ready for that. And she begins to move with the plan of God. God always has a plan. There's a big difference between human plans and divine plans. 
We should spend more time getting our life in alignment with the plans of God rather than dreaming up and collaborating on all the plans that we think God should bless. Let's find God's plan. So Mary's like, this is crazy. I don't get it all, but I'm ready, Lord. Let's do it. Let's do it. And this is her response. This is beautiful in in chapter 1, verse 38 of Luke. I am the Lord's servant. Amen. How many times would our life be better if we could say that with Mary? I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. She's like, I got the assignment, Lord. I'm ready to go. I'm your servant. What else do you need from me, Lord? When you need other things, just send Gabriel back to give me some instruction. I'm ready, Lord. It's amazing. God has a plan. And listen, because God has a plan, you can trust him. You may not have a plan. You may not know what the plan is, but God does. Follow his plan. Follow what he says. And she follows. Here's the fourth thing. I have given you the Holy Spirit. I have a plan, and I've given you the Holy Spirit. Now, last year, a couple of years ago, we took the kids down to Albuquerque for fall break, and we went to the Children's Museum. And we're in this museum all by ourselves. I think everybody in Albuquerque was in school. And they had this really cool bicycle ride. It was like something related to science, and you ride this bicycle at the second story, and you look down on the first story, and... They strap the kids in, and they have a net, and it's like super safe, but you basically ride the bicycle, you know, like 20 or 30 feet above the ground. And Zane's like, this is awesome. Zane's like, I'm the big brother. I want to be the first one to do it. He goes up, measures himself. You have to be a certain height. And the, the teenager that's operating the ride says, okay, you can get on there. So he rides across. Dad, that was so cool. That was awesome. He gets off, and his sister's right behind him, little sister, and he says to the person who's operating the ride, she's not tall enough. Now, how's that for selling your sister out? Come on now. (laughs) Little sister's like all excited. She's ready to go. She's not tall enough. Bryn was like a quarter of an inch too short. She's crying. She's so upset. She comes and finds me, Dad, I'm not tall enough. I didn't measure up. I'm so sad, all that. I said, well, honey, I said, no one's here except us. I said, why don't we go and remeasure you? And when the guy remeasures you, I want you to stand on your tippy toes. (laughs) I said, this is how hellers do it, okay? Look. You got that? I was like, practice with me. You smile big, and you stand on your tippy toes. She's like, Dad, I got it. So I walked up to the person that was kind of like the, you know, the operator, and I said, hey, listen. I said, this is Bryn. She's been crying because she wasn't tall enough, but we think that maybe she should be remeasured. (laughs) And uh, the individual was very gracious and said, well, sure, step back up here and bring Bryn. What? And he says, you know what? We would love to have you get on our ride. And he saw her wiping the tears from her eyes, and she got on there, and she got to ride. And it was a great day for our family. Amen? It was a great day. I was thinking about that this week because 
There's many times in our own existence when we feel like we're not tall enough. We feel like we don't measure up. We feel like we're not quite up to the challenge. I'm an unwed teenage mother. How can I do this? Can you not get somebody who's more experienced and more seasoned and more knowledgeable and more godly than me? But God has given us a great gift. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is what helps us to be taller than we really are. Now look at this right here. In verse 35, the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. What could not be done by man could be done by God's spirit. How are you going to overcome fear this Christmas season? The power of the Holy Spirit within you, that third person of the Trinity, living in your own heart, giving you power, giving you strength, giving you capability, giving you knowledge that you don't have by yourself. It's, It's from the Lord. The Christian life cannot be lived apart from the Spirit. We have to have the Holy Spirit within us. Listen, the Holy Spirit is dynamic. He's powerful. That's why in the book of Acts it says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you because there is power in the Spirit. And what man cannot do alone, the Spirit can do all day long. The power of the Spirit. But the spirit gets even better in Luke 141. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth has John the Baptist in her womb. He's the cousin of Jesus. When Mary, who has conceived Jesus, comes into the room, the baby leaps in the womb of Elizabeth by the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. And it confirms what the angel Gabriel had already said to them. His name will be Jesus. He'll be the the son of God. The baby leaped. When something happens inside of you, that's all you need to know. I don't know what happens in your heart, but you know, when I come to church, Sometimes I feel like something leaps inside of me. Something jumps. It's the power of the Spirit of God. I hope you experience that. Listen, just because the baby leaps in your, in your in, inward being, in your womb, doesn't mean that all the problems go away. But it means that you have the assurance and the power of God within you. To do what he's called you to do. Sometimes we need to experience that leaping, that hopping, that that experience, that that connectivity, that connection with the power of God. (laughs) Jesus has a way of bringing things to life. And Jesus can make you jump when you would not normally. Jesus hadn't even been born And he's already impacting people. Come on, people. Is that amazing? If Jesus can make the baby leap before he's been born, what could he do when he is born? 
when he is the sinless son of God, when he is crucified, when he is resurrected, when he has ascended, when he will come again for his people and his church. Oh my goodness. That's why we don't have to walk in fear. You're highly favored. You're not alone. God has a plan. And God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us when we're a little bit too short. This Christmas season, let's not live under the power and domination of fear, but let's move forward in bold faith like the example of Mary. Would you pray with me?